I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. Today, do I have a treat for you? So inside the Sterling Parents membership, we have this amazing resident lactation consultant. Her name is Sabrina Barber. She is an international board certified lactation consultant, and she helps our members prepare for their feeding journeys and then also helps support them during their feeding journeys after baby is born. One of her most popular classes inside the membership is called Helping Your Village Support Your Breastfed Baby. Now, I can remember how stressful it was as a brand new mom feeling like all the pressure was on me to feed my baby and to figure out breastfeeding all on my own. The tips that Sabrina shares in this class are just, they're game changers, y'all. I'm not going to belabor this anymore. I want you to, you know, you'll see this for yourself. I think you're going to absolutely love this class. Let's dive in. Okay, so we are back with Sabrina, our resident lactation consultant. And this is a topic I'm really excited about because often the breastfeeding journey or feeding journey in general falls a lot to a specific parent, caregiver, all the mental load of figuring out when to feed and a lot of the logistics, especially if you are exclusively breastfeeding, would fall on you. So it's about how to have the village of people around you support you in your journey. Because Sabrina, I'm sure you experience with this in your client with your clients. This is one of the most difficult parts of having a newborn, feeding in general. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to at all spread some of that load out across your support system, I think it would ease a lot of the struggles that new parents face. So excited to have you present this today. Yes, absolutely. I was really excited to come up with this talk because it's something that really isn't discussed. Like I really don't see very much of this in like prenatal classes. And uh, it's kind of things that you have to learn and Google on your on the way. Um, So having this and being able to kind of keep it in the library is going to be so valuable. And the reason why it's such an important conversation is because when you are choosing to breastfeed, it's, and by breastfeed, I also am including pumping in there in that category. It's not just a part of your day, it totally infiltrates your entire family unit. Your life now revolves around breastfeeding, really around feeding your baby with your body, whether it's pumping the milk out or feeding baby directly. 
So learning how to kind of weave that in and out of all of the things you do throughout the day can be really challenging and something that many families don't realize until they're kind of thrown into it. We have this idea that my life is just going to go on and my baby's going to fit in it. We don't realize that we really do have to change the structure, especially the first few months of how we do it. So preparing yourself and also preparing your village will give them a great understanding of your feeding choices and how they can help you and support you best. So this is a great video to share with your family too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When we talk about partners and families in a lot of the content on Sterling Parents, watch this with whoever you want to involve in your feeding journey so that they see there is a place for them. Because I, just like you said, we have so much content in the lactation world, navigating latch issues, tongue ties, difficulties with breastfeeding. There's so much there. This is often overlooked and it can make so much of the experience better, easier, more fulfilling if you're able to involve people. So absolutely. And I made this presentation with your family members in mind. So this, this is going to be good. We're going to take a different spin on this. Um, many people talk about how to have a successful breastfeeding journey, but in my experience, both professional and personal, I know that your success is largely dependent on your support because we are expected to do way more now as a breastfeeding lactating person while we feed our babies than was expected years ago. Now we're, you know, we work in the home, out, outside of the home, we have our babies in daycare, we have, you know, there's so many other expectations that are placed on us. So um, having the support system set up, whether it's people, products, whatever we need is really important to help us succeed in whatever our feeding goals are. All right, so we're going to talk about educating your village. And by village, I mean anyone who's going to be in yours or your baby's life, whether it is your spouse, your birthing partner, grandparents, caregivers, daycare, educating those around you about how you're choosing to feed your baby. Ways they can help you in the early days. The types of milk you can feed your baby. This is kind of a portion we did um, when we talked about supplementation, but since we are gearing this toward family members, I wanted to make sure we added that information in here so that they know as well. Ways to feed your baby, paste bottle feeding, and how to safely prepare the formula and or breast milk. And my favorite considerations for daycare, because that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other beast there. So we're going to throw that in. First, I want to talk about who's going to be in your village. Is it going to be your primary partner, the other parent, grandparents, caregivers, daycare, and why it's important to talk to them about it? And mainly, it's because the way you feed your baby can and will directly affect your milk supply. So if your baby is being overfed with the bottle or you're not timing your pumping well with bottle feeding, it can definitely affect your supply and your breastfeeding goals. Support is a huge factor in achieving your goals. So making sure that your village 
is on the same page. Sometimes they don't realize how important breastfeeding is to you or how you feel about formula. So sometimes their comments can undermine some of the things that we're trying to do. And it almost never comes from a mean and malicious place. It's usually because they care about you, your mental health and your baby. And so they make suggestions, sometimes not, sometimes that are difficult to hear if you guys weren't on the same page with your goals at the same time. And then of course your village is gonna be going to want to be a part of your baby's life and your baby's care. Grandparents can't wait to snuggle babies and feed babies and so, Instead of cutting them out of that portion in your parenthood, thinking that you have to be the only one to feed your baby, involving them in that in ways that uh, they can adapt to that, um, usually will give grandparents and other caregivers a sense of pride and inclusion with it. And it gives you a nap. So <laughs> win-win situation there. Um, Already, this Sabrina, this is sending me back to my postpartum days where I had family offering to help at night mm -hmm. and being new to breastfeeding, I was so concerned with different aspects of it. I didn't think I could accept help. I was right. like, I'm the one who has to get up. I'm the one that has to feed the baby and I'm the only one that can. So I'm very interested in learning more about this because especially when you're offered help, when you're new mm -hmm. at something and like you said, you're receiving all of this advice unwarranted often it's it tends to be our reflex to turn it down right when I'm already thinking how could my experience have been better if I accepted that help and implemented what you're going to share today so I think it can really improve people's experience absolutely and knowing what you need is uh it is a key factor in accepting help and delegating. You know, when families are like, well, what can I do? How can I help you? And you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll just do it myself. This is gonna, this is gonna help us identify areas that we can accept help and how we can. So ways to help baby in the early days. So in the very beginning, when you are, your milk supply is being regulated, you're feeding baby at the breast, round the clock, that actually is the, an important time to keep baby close to you, close to the birthing parent. So in the first couple of days, it is very difficult to add in a add in help with feeding. But if it's needed, I'll show you how to do it. These are ways that you can help that don't involve feeding. So skin to skin, the partner can do it immediately. After birth, they go skin to skin with parents. Diaper duty is just as important. What goes in must come out. So um, diaper duty is always uh, an important thing, especially to help get baby ready for a feeding. Unswaddling the baby, changing their diaper, and then handing him over to mommy to feed is actually really helpful. Even though those things seem so mundane and so simple, while mom is up and changing her postpartum pad and going to the bathroom and getting her water, you are taking care of your baby and preparing them for the feeding. You're not involved in the milk transfer, but you're still involved in the feeding process because it is a process. And then of course, snuggles. If baby's fussy and just fed and mommy needs a break, I mean, all the snuggles, 
that you want. <laughs> They're free. You can do it as much as you want. Actually, as much as the birthing parent wants. Sometimes you don't want anyone else to snuggle your baby and that's okay too. Ways to help mom in the early days. So when you're caring for a, a postpartum person, when you're caring for a new baby, we can't separate mom and baby. They are a unit, they are a dyad. So if you are gonna care for baby, we have to talk about ways to care for mom as well, or the person that's giving birth. Getting them water and snacks may seem super mundane, but listen, she is the person that's providing the food for your baby. So you're fueling her so she can fuel your baby. So important. Housework or other childcare so that she can feed the baby. You know, taking these things off her plate without her even asking, you know, just kind of knowing what needs to be done around the house. If you're if your friend wants to come over, maybe they can take the older kids to the park or for a walk around the block or something while you spend some time with baby working on feeding. Or they can put the baby in the stroller too and you catch a nap while they are doing that. So these are ways that you can receive help that doesn't even involve the feeding process, but contribute to the feeding process. So the way you feed your baby impacts milk supply, which is kind of going off of what I said earlier. And that's because bottle feeding can contribute to something that's called flow preference, meaning your baby is, is able to get the milk a lot easier out of the bottle than at the breast. So if we feed a baby in a chugging position, and I'll, and I'll show you that in a second, um, they are going to prefer that flow than having to work for the milk at the breast a little bit more. Um, this occurs more often than the term you may hear called nipple confusion, which means that baby may become confused because the way they latch onto the bottle nipple is different from the nipple on the breast. And then they have trouble going back to the breast. That is not as, um, that's not usually the issue. The issue is the way the bottle is being fed to the baby. Which is interesting because if you go online, the term always used is nipple confusion. And I've heard you talk about it, but it's really the first time I've seen it used as a term flow preference, yeah. where that, it makes more sense. But what I like is if nipple, nipple confusion is not as worrisome, Flow preference means you can still bottle feed, yes, but the right way, which is Absolutely. an important difference between the two issues. Yes. So many times um, families are afraid to introduce bottles, even when medically necessary sometimes, because they are so afraid that introducing a bottle will totally derail their breastfeeding relationship. So I have families that you know, that tell me I, I'm on day six with zero sleep and I don't know how to get sleep. And my partner can't feed because we don't want a bottle feed yet. You know, what can we do? And so we talk about just the mechanics of baby feeding and ways that we can bottle feed to mimic the breast as much as possible to help baby go back and forth in between the two. So you can have a more stable, balanced family unit. All right, so pace bottle feeding. So we are gonna slow the flow of the milk and allow baby to regulate their own intake. That's the biggest difference is when baby is feeding at the breast, 
if everything is going well, they dictate how much they take and they will stop when they are full. With a bottle, it takes a lot longer to get that reflex, to get that signal that they're full. So they will use their second reflex to chug. And they often will feed a lot more in the bottle than they will at the breast because they haven't received that signal yet because it's just going too fast. So by slowing it down, it helps baby realize when they're full. Kind of like when we sit down for dinner and we take our time and we chew our food, rather than scarfing it down, <laughs> we realize, okay, maybe I don't need that extra serving. Maybe I am full if I wait just a couple minutes. Ideally, and this is gonna cause an uproar, ideally, bottle feeding should take as long as breastfeeding. And usually we let baby chug it, feeding is done in five minutes, boom, 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 we're out the door. But really, if we're doing it in the way that will best benefit baby and the parent's milk supply, it should take about the same time. Very interesting. So if your goal is to preserve the breastfeeding relationship, the convenience of the chug <laughs> should be disregarded. So if, yeah. if that's really what your goal is, then you should focus on, on slowing it down. And am I correct that you are also minimizing some spit up and air intake if you're also slowing down that bottle feed as well? Absolutely. I actually recommend bottle feeding, even if baby is just I mean, paste bottle feeding, even if baby's just drinking formula, because it, it slows down the air intake, you're preventing overfeeding, you're preventing those spit ups and the tummy ache. And if you're preventing overfeeding, you're saving some money on formula too. So right. I think this is the way every baby should feed because it's bio, more biologically normal for them to feed that way, regardless of what's in the bottle. That's interesting because there's often not formula feeding classes or breastfeeding classes and all this stuff, but there's not really much information for formula parents other than reading the bottle. And right. they don't tell you to do it slowly on the bottle. They just say, insert, call it a day. So exactly. that's good to know no matter what feeding style you end up using. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pregnancy can be really hard. On top of all the physical stuff, there's the emotional impact of not feeling well and not feeling at home in your body for months on end. If you are having a tough time in pregnancy, you are not alone. I have so been there and I want to help you. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to register for my free class, Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. This class is all about taking some of the stress and overwhelm off your plate. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com and pick a time to watch the class from the comfort of your own home. You deserve support, Mama. Every time we leave, Sabrina, I'm like, where were you two years ago? <laughs> it's blowing my mind always. Oh, I love it. I love giving this type of information because you, you wouldn't really know this unless you were in the trenches and really were having issues. So being able to see this beforehand, it's nice because you're like, oh, wait, you can try this at two in the morning <laughs> and see if it helps. This actually really helps when babies are refusing um, to take a bottle sometimes where they just 
are not wanting to accept it, just turning them on their side like this can, can help re-regulate them. All right, this also you're not gonna see anywhere really um, is the top bottles that are recommended by oral motor therapists. So you see marketing, you see the bottles that are um, like made for breastfeeding and just like the breast. And actually none of these are promoted that way. Um, yet they are the ones that help baby oral motorly the most, meaning it's when they latch onto these bottles that are more sloped, a little bit more narrow, their tongue is in a more, mm, is in a similar position, I should say, as when they're latching onto the breast, as opposed to things like, you know, the bottles that are really chunky with the tiny little tip. That actually encourages shallow latching, believe it or not. It's amazing with that marketing because then they'll refuse the breast and need more bottles. <laughs> but um, they, this, these are the types of bottles that if you were having trouble with feeding and you went to a feeding specialist, they would recommend one of these more often than not. So putting these in your baby bag, you know, asking caregivers to have these when they say, well, you know, what bottle should we get you for your baby shower? some of these would be good. So I don't know if you have this answer, but for some of those bottles that are marketed as best for breastfeeding, is it because it it's shaped like a breast, but is it because it doesn't act like it after the latch that the material kind of stays there versus this is mimicking how your breast tissue goes in post latch? Yes, that's exactly it. It's it. The bottle mimics what the breast looks like pre-latch, but when baby is actually on the breast and they form a teat in their mouth for feeding, it winds up looking more like this in okay. their mouth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So how to safely prepare breast milk. This was a Oh, constant conversation with my husband through both babies, you know, and I'm like, okay, feed the baby. He's like, okay, so what do I do with your milk? How do I thaw it? How do I prepare this bottle? So knowing this beforehand will avoid you having to explain it. So I want to review some of this, but break it down a little bit by kind of age of baby or stage of breastfeeding and feeding that you're in. So We've talked in previous sessions that very early on, the first few weeks, the first month, is really important to establish your breastfeeding relationship. Mm -hmm. So you might not want to bottle feed yet. You might not be introducing formula if you plan to combo feed. So the ways that people can help you during that period of time where you're exclusively breastfeeding is snacks, supporting you, house cleaning, taking care of the baby. We talk so much at the work-life balance about mental load. Mm -hmm. So like you said, of having the, your husband coming up and being like, wait, but how do I do it? Like, oh, I asked for help. I didn't ask to be a teacher right now, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Even <laughs> something in my experience that was a lot the first few weeks was timing breastfeeding and having to track that. It felt like I worked at NASA trying to figure out all the timing of it. So having someone be like, oh yeah, we're about in 20 minutes. It's about the time for the baby to feed again. Having someone else take that 
mm-hmm. big chunk out would be helpful. And the, the biggest question that I get asked is how, how do I involve somebody to help me feed at night? That is like the number one question I get, even if the family just gave birth and I walked into the room, that's like, all right, how do we get daddy on board with night feeds so I can sleep? All right. So in order to keep your milk supply going, every time baby gets a bottle, your body should be given that signal that baby's feeding. So what I would suggest is pumping, like, let's say you're ready for a nap, pumping and giving that milk to daddy to feed or whoever, postpartum doula, whoever, to feed, and then you go to sleep. So that way your body has been drained and emptied, and then they can take care of that feeding. If you want to do multiple feedings overnight, the parent can, you know, daddy can stay with baby and give those bottles, but you still do have to get up and pump. That's, that's the tough part. So it's, it's kind of a balance of I will sleep for maybe a four hour stretch. I feel like that is, that's a safe one time going four hours overnight, get up, pump, go right back to sleep. But daddy's taking care of the feeding portion. That's totally okay to do. That's the myth I always hear. People are like, oh, you're away from the baby tonight. You get to sleep in. And if you're breastfeeding, you're like, no, I have to wake up every three hours and pump. It's not as vacation-like as it sounds. Right, right. You are, by doing that, you are eliminating like the feeding portion, but you're not eliminating the breast <laughs> portion. <laughs> I guess you could say, yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, and that, that's like the, the biggest, I don't want to say mistake I see, but the biggest cause of mm, not having a full milk supply or a faster weaning or decreasing in the supply than we anticipated because we're sleeping through those pumping sessions when we should be removing that milk. Sabrina, thank you so much for this topic. I think this is going to be really, really helpful for families. This is really a game changer because I think it solves when I hear I hate when people do this but when you're about to have a baby and everyone's like you're gonna resent your partner I hear Mm -hmm. that all the time Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it has to do feeding can be a struggle if you're up in the middle of the night and your partner's sitting there snoring next to you Mm -hmm. That's where that feeling can creep in. So establishing this ahead of time and coming up with this plan and watching this video with your partner, I think is going to be huge in combating some of that. For sure. I think um, because we are the ones that produce the milk, the partner will A, either be like, um, this is all on you. You're the feeder. This is, this is your thing. I'm going to sleep without like really thinking about feeding as a whole or like just like we described before other things that take place during a feeding that has nothing to do with the milk coming out um or or partners are like I want to help I just don't know how I want to help feed my baby I want to bond with my baby I want to give the bottle or whatever but she's being breastfed and I can't help so just knowing those ways will open up that communication between you and your partner. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.